buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. Hey, before we start today's episode, I wanted to bring you in on the best kept secret in B2B sales. If you're serious about social selling and your only strategy is cold DMs through LinkedIn, you're missing the mark big time. Learn how a fully managed revenue generating podcast can change your life and your pipeline at salescast.co. All right. Welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. I'm very excited today. I've got Elise Archer on. She's the founder and CEO of She Sells. Uh, Elise is the founder and CEO of She Sells, a coaching program and community for women in sales who are revolutionizing the way sales is done. Elise, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Colin. I'm so excited to be here. I got a little tongue-tied there. <laughs> People okay. usually get tongue-tied on the she sells part, so you made it past that, which is which is great. So we're already winning, ahead. Winning You're already winning. <laughs> early on in the conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, very excited to have you on. Uh, curious to you know learn a little bit more about your sales story journey, and we've got some interesting topics planned out that we planned like. 33 seconds ago. Um, so we don't know where it's going to go, but we're going to have fun. It's going to be highly educational. I know that, um, just based on the research that I've done on you. Uh, so take us back. Like what's your sales journey been like? Where did it start? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it started in a way that I'm not incredibly proud of, which is, I guess I was relatively entrepreneurial at a young age, the age of three or four. And I don't know if you remember the um, McDonald's Happy Meal toys. I'm guessing there's still a thing. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't eat at McDonald's these yeah. days, but I did as a little kid and my younger sister and I had all these little plastic toys that we would play with growing up. And I just remember one day getting the inspiration, like I could make some coin off of these things. Like I could really go sell these things. And I don't know what a three or four year old needed to do with money at that point, but yeah. I gathered all our, all our toys and got them in a little Ziploc bag and literally went door to door selling them through our neighborhood. And, uh, much to her dismay later, she found out all her toys were gone. So that was probably Mm. not my most ethical start in sales, selling somebody else's stuff without telling them. Uh, but I guess it showed entrepreneurial spirit early on. So anyway, from there went off, um, you know, went to kind of fast forward a lot, went to uh, college for journalism, actually. And I remember Mm -hmm. that was the vision for a while. Um, I remember being in my journalism school. Uh, I did news ed. I was going to be a newspaper 
uh, writer. And my professor was sharing like, okay, so here's what you can expect as a newspaper writer. And here's how much you'll make. And even at, again, a tender age, but I think it was 18 or so. And he said the amount, and I don't remember what it was, but I know it wasn't impressive. And I just did some quick calculations mm. and I was like, I think I may be on the wrong career path here. I don't know. So. <laughs> you probably were thinking I could make more maybe selling McDonald's toys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I made more when I was three, right? So, so anyway, so I, along the way, I was blessed to have my parents pay for school. So I didn't really need a job, but I always, I just loved working. I loved going mm. out. I loved being entrepreneurial. I was working multiple sales jobs at the same time in college and just, like I'm going to do something. One sales job wasn't enough. One wasn't an, I mean, hello, typical overachiever, right? Which is actually a lot of what led me to some of the things I've shifted in my life um, since then. But yeah, I think I was working five at once at one point. Um, Did you ever sleep? No, no, I did not. (laughs) And this is, I get so much flack from this from some of my clients, but I went to UNC for school and I never went to a basketball game because I was just it's like, love them or hate them. You know, you got to go to a basketball game while you're there. And I, but I just, I loved working. It was for whatever reason, it was my jam. And so got out of school, went into corporate media sales and, um, did very well at a young age. I was like the, you know, the youngest in our office, but this pattern started that I noticed that has really led to a lot of what I do today with myself and my clients, which was, I was constantly hustling to push to be top of the leaderboard and it was never enough. Like it was, Mm. it didn't matter how much I made, how, you know, top of the board I was, it was still never enough. And what I didn't know at the time, because I hadn't done the inner work that I've done now was that it was all about validation. It was all, I thought if I can make a certain amount of money, if I can be top of the leaderboard, then I'll feel valid, then I'll feel worthy. And so it set off some really unhealthy habits in terms of how I took care of myself or didn't take care of myself. I'd be like mm-hmm. getting up at two in the morning to it's like, if I can just get one more hour in before everybody else, then I'll be okay. Right. Which it sounds extreme, but I think you probably know people who think like this. And I don't know if you've ever mm-hmm. had experiences like that, but it's like, there's so much of what's taught, especially in sales culture. And I think in business culture too, of like, if you want to be successful, it's literally just grind, 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 grind harder than everybody else. And there's, there is some truth to that, but I think I've also uncovered a much more uh, elegant way of doing it than, than how I used to. So anyway, found myself, you know, mid twenties with outwardly looking successful. Um, but what I wasn't sharing was I was struggling with an eating disorder. I was really unhappy. I, I, think I was probably depressed. I, I wouldn't like, I didn't get diagnosed, but I'm, I'm certain I was and kind of just reached this breaking point where it was like, there's gotta be a different way of doing this. Um, there's gotta be a different way of doing this. And so when I think it was right before I was 28, um, I decided I'm out of here. Like I, I can't do the, the grind anymore, the way I've been doing it. And I felt inspired for a while to go into sales coaching, mm-hmm. uh, cause I felt like, Back when I back when I was in corporate, so much of what was taught was like it was just straight like cold calling, using the same script again and again, and that that can work. You and I both know that, but I also had been yeah. having a lot of success with like building a brand online and generating client leads that way, and podcasting like we're doing here. And so I was like, there's a better way to for people to sell and generate leads. And I had 
one client who had paid me $300 to help him edit a presentation. And I was like, it's proof of concept. I've got my own company. I'm out of yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which All is, you got to do is get that first paying client. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I felt like I was rich. It it's was enough confidence to just go yeah. on. Yeah. And, you know, I, I bet I'm certain you and probably a lot of your listeners, it's like we maybe have a higher risk tolerance than certain part of the population because sales sometimes requires that. Not for the faint of heart, but um, but that's what I did. And I left a very comfortable, you know, six figure corporate job to go out on my own and go into sales coaching. And it's definitely been a deeper journey beyond that. And I, we can kind of go more into there's been a lot of healing of relationship with money and self-worth and all of that along the way. But essentially what I found was what was being taught for corporate, taught in corporate in terms of selling, a lot of it worked, but parts of it didn't work for me as a woman. And it wasn't working for the women around me either. And it really inspired me to go off and create um, this brand of She Sells, which is all about helping working with women specifically with how we're wired naturally to go out and be more successful than we could have ever imagined in sales, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a sales professional. Um, and it's, it's been an incredible journey. So again, there's, there's kind of lots in there we can go into, but that's the very high level of, uh, of the journey. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to unpack there. So <laughs> we're going to, um, before, I mean, thank you for sharing all this, number one, because mm. I think it's a very powerful message that a lot of people, you know, I think there's a lot of people who still struggle with sort of just the hustle culture and thinking they got to put it, you know, everything into it and unhealthy relationship with money and this constant sort of bro message of like, you have mm. to be money motivated, um, which is a whole topic we can, we can go into, but yeah. I want to just um, go back for a second, right? Because early on you had a really successful stent and sales, right? Mm. Um, and, and from the outside, everything looked great. Um, but you mentioned that you were really struggling. Mm. So tell me, like, was there like a big moment where you're like, this is just no longer working or like, tell me what happened mm. to where you went on this quest to kind of like do some work and find a better way of, of managing things? Yeah, that's a great question. Absolutely. And I think it's it's all in how you define success too, right? This is something I've learned. Yeah. Is, like financially, I was, I guess, successful. Um, yeah. Although for me, it was like my, and I'll, I'll share numbers because there's more of the story later that speaks to you know, healing relationship with money. But for me, it was like six figures was kind of what I did consistently. And in your early 20s, that's pretty good, right? I guess it's again, it's all relative for me, that felt pretty good, but I couldn't quite break through that. But for me, that was like, financially, I'm good, I'm quote, unquote, successful. Mm -hmm. um, but again, inwardly, like struggling in so many ways. And I, I think it was really a culmination of things. I think many of us and if, if someone is listening, and they haven't had this moment yet, Maybe they won't have one in this life, but I think more often it's, it's, we all have it. It's just, what are you going to do with it? You know, you reach a point of, um, seeking self-worth and so much outside of you that we can almost mm. accumulate these layers of things that aren't really true to oh, who yeah. we are. Right. I and, mean, I know I even yeah. struggled with it early on, right? Mm, like where, yeah. Um, I think it's so like salespeople are told, like, you got to be competitive. You got to be money motivated. Like you got to outwork yeah. everybody else. You got to do all these things. And it's hard not to mm -hmm. tie your self-worth to your number. 
Mm, yeah, yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And to me that the switch, um, and I, I'll go back to your question about what prompted everything, but the, the switch to me has been really learning that your level of income can never exceed your level of self-worth. So we mm. think I'll feel good when I'll feel worthy when I make this amount. And so we're, we're yeah. actually perpetuating separation from that. The key, and this is actually part of my journey as I went from six to seven figures very quickly. Um, you've got to feel worthy first. You've got to feel good first. It has to not matter about the money. And this is, it's counterintuitive and it's not a popular yeah. thing in sales culture, but you'll actually make more. Um, and that's been my experience. That's the members of our community as well. When we do the deeper inner work, the money's almost a byproduct of who you're being. Um, but to your point, because well, the interesting thing the is, is that like, if you even look at your experiences, right? Like yeah. I know for me personally, and I, I think you kind of hinted to this point as well is like, you have this target and then you hit it and you're supposed to feel better when you mm. get there, yeah. but you don't, you just move the target or there's a new target yeah. and you're just constantly chasing that new target or number thinking that that's going to make you feel like you've arrived or you're now worthy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so it, so it never ends. Right. And, and I'll tee up everything we talk about with like, I'm all for people making tons of money. It's what our brand is all about. Like, I love it. <laughs> I, we, you know, we look to science behind some of what we do in our brand. We look to quantum physics. Everything is expanding in our universe. If you study it, so I, I believe we are part of that. We are meant to expand too, which means we get to expand financially, but it's how we do it. That's the key. And if we're, if we're chasing it because we feel, I'll, I'll give you an example. So I work with a fair amount of male clients as well behind the scenes. And I have a great client. Um, he's in technology sales and, you know, he, he leads a team there too. And we were working on, he wanted to go to seven figures in income and, I, I always check in with clients when they talk about their financial goal. And I just am curious why, like, tell me why that's great. Why? And he kind of paused and I could just see his, you know, he's, he's a proud guy, works out strong, all of that. But I could see in that moment, his shoulders kind of slumped. And he said, cause it's, I think I'll be validated then. And it was this moment of like, oh yeah, that's, that's the real reason why I think I want it. And so it's, it's a switch. It's a, it's a switch that I didn't make for a long time in my career. And so because of that, this will kind of come full circle to your question. Originally, I've been chasing and accumulating all these things outside of me. And I kind of just reached this breaking point where, you know, not only was I dealing with the eating disorder, I was in a, um, a relationship with a recovering alcoholic. There's just a lot of stuff that wasn't, it was, that wasn't a healthy relationship at all. Um, and I kind of just reached the point where it was like, it feels really scary to make a lot of changes. The thought of mm. leaving the quote unquote safe job, leaving yeah. the relationship, you know, what would people, I, I was married to him. So it was, what would people think of me being divorced in my twenties? I had a lot of stigma around that at the time. Um, and just to unravel and undo all of this stuff that I had done that I thought was what I was supposed to do to be happy and successful. And that felt really scary, but I kind of just looked at it and it was like, it can't be worse than what I'm living every day to go off into the unknown cannot be worse than how I'm feeling every day right now. And so the pain of staying the same was greater than going off into the unknown. And so yeah. that's what I did. And 
I think we all have moments like that, right? Where we, we have to make that change. Have you, I'm curious, have you had big moments like that? Uh, yeah, quite, quite, I mean, a few definitely, um, started my first business with my wife in 2010 and, you know, left a VP of sales position, um, to just take that chance and, Mm -hmm. and, and risk. And, uh, but you know, I think that a lot of people, it's hard to leave the comfort, right. Mm -hmm. Of that salary and benefits and all of these things, but it's kind of like you owe it to yourself to at least give it a try. Like, I think it's a little bit easier for maybe people, maybe people in a sales role because you have that. Mm. Like, you know, if you could sell, you could probably make something work, right? Um, but also, it's really hard to give that up, I think, for a lot of people, especially mm. if they rely on like team and culture and going in the office and all of these like little things that you don't necessarily think about be- to becoming like a bit of a lone wolf when you're like selling as an entrepreneur. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think, um, you know, what I've, what I've learned and the belief system that I embrace is, is that comfort in many ways is the danger zone when there's mm-hmm. a greater calling in us. Yeah. Um, and I, I, have you ever read the top five regrets of the dying by Bronnie Ware? I have not. It's such Enlighten a good me. book. Oh, it's such a good book. So she was a hospice worker. She sat with hundreds of people at the end of their life. And she just recounts that there were these five common regrets that they each had, um, mm-hmm. or amongst them. And one of the biggest ones was I didn't go for it. Like I yeah. didn't actually go and see what was possible. And what if my whole life had been different if I went for it? And so that's how I frame up decisions now. And it it sounds a little morbid. It sounds a little heavy. But what I find is that you always know what to do when you frame it up that way is if I looked back on this at the end of my life, what would I wish I had done? Like, what would I be proud that I had done knowing that nothing is permanent too. So when I went off and started my own thing, I had a, you know, I was like, if this doesn't work, I've got a hundred people I can call right now and go get a job. I've got like, like it, it wasn't just totally, um, you know, in a huff I'm leaving and I'm starting my own thing. No, like it was, there, there was, you know, there was some intention behind it, but I think you owe it to yourself to see what that is. And that doesn't mean for everyone. Like, I think a lot, I think a corporate environment is great for a lot of people. I think probably for most people it is. So it's, I'm not saying you got to leave your yeah. job if that's not what's showing up for yeah. you, but maybe it's like actually going There's out. There's already and, enough people leaving their job this, now. Yeah. They're going to listen to this and they're <laughs> right, going to blame it right. on us. But More people leaving their job. Yeah, no, but it's like, you know, maybe it's like going for that promotion, right? Like putting your name in the, in the hat for that or, or, you know, launching that nonprofit on the side or doing the thing that scares you. Um, there's, there's could a, be something personally, like not yeah, even professionally. For yeah. sure. For sure. There, there's a great quote by Joseph Campbell. He says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And mm. I think that when we live that way and we apply that to our sales, when we apply it to our life decisions, I've learned to look at fear as a green light. Like I need to go because there's something for me on the yeah. other side of that where I'm going to grow. Where do you think that comes from? The fear piece? just being willing to like embrace fear or like, you know, um, being willing to like, Oh, that's uncomfortable. Cool. I'm going to go hang out over there. (laughs) (laughs) It's still definitely not natural. Like I still have to work myself through this. You know, I've 
part of the journey for me has been studying with just some amazing neuroscientists and brain researchers and learning how our subconscious mind works and learning where fear really comes from. And so when we know that 95% of our results are actually based on our subconscious programming and what we think is true for us, um, that's it. That's huge. And so it's a huge piece of the work I do with my clients now is helping them reprogram themselves for success. But even when you know all this stuff, it doesn't mean you don't still have the monkey brain kick in. It doesn't mean you don't still have um, fear set in. But I think it's it's being conscious and knowing what it is, which is that our brain is programmed for survival, not to make us thrive necessarily. So we've got to remember, just because you think a thought doesn't mean it's true. That's the first thing. Mm. Um and I like to think of my, now, you mentioned reprogramming. So does yeah. it become easier or does like leaning into things that are maybe cause some fear become a little bit more natural? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's, I think it's like a muscle and I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just like anything else. Like when you haven't done it before and you haven't had success with it yet, you don't know. And you're afraid, but I, to me, it's yeah. like, it's little proof points like, oh, that felt scary. I leaned into it. I got this result. I can do it. I can do it again. Um, like part of, I'll, I'll share just a quick example. Part of my journey was going from six to seven figures. It, again, I was stuck at six for probably 10 years. Nothing I did seemed to get me beyond it. Um, and I was doing all the right strategy. And I realized there's got to be a, a mindset that's not working in me. There's got to be something where... I'm not thinking the way a seven figure business owner or you know, sales professional thinks. So I felt very strongly nudged at that point to hire a particular woman as a coach who specializes in helping moms be millionaires. And I was like, I'm a mm. new mom. I want to be a millionaire. This is great. <laughs> this is exactly what I need. Mm-hmm. Now, the only problem was that working with her, the investment to work with her was $50,000 for six months. And I had made like mm. 100, 120, something the year That's before. That's the secret to becoming a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> it does help to raise your prices. Yeah, it does help. <laughs> but I just felt, Colin, I can't explain it. It was this nudge. It was like, you've got to do this. You've got to find a way to invest in this coaching and work with her. And it was terrifying. I didn't have $50,000 sitting around. We just had a baby. You know, we were we were comfortable, right? In the danger zone, we yeah. were comfortable. Um, but it was this very strong nudge that again, it was like I was done playing small. And so scraped together some credit cards and got the money for the deposit for the coaching on them and, you know, sweating, hand trembling, about to hit order on the invoice. And like, oh, oh. my gosh, am I going to ruin my family? Yeah, like, hopefully this starts like, working now <laughs> so that I can afford it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I was the primary breadwinner for our family and just feeling like, oh, my gosh, like, what if I can't make the money back? Blah. Mm. And it was petrifying. But part of honestly, part of why I did it was I knew I had enough fears and limiting beliefs around money still running the show for me that were holding me back from stepping into my next level of abundance that I was like, this is going to bring me face to face with every fear I have about, about money and about scarcity and not having enough. So I did it and it did. It was three weeks afterwards of pure hell (laughs) of questioning. What did I do? This was a huge mistake. Oh my Mm. gosh. Like, what are you going to do? How are you going to pay your mortgage next month? 
but it forced me to lean in and go deeper into studying what really are those fears? What is money? What is the energy of money? Why is it that somebody else can, you know, make seven multi seven, eight, but I haven't let myself do that yet. And like really going deep into it and looking it in the face. And as I started learning, it was all about my belief system about money. It was all about how worthy I felt. Um, and it was from there. So your like, own belief system is holding you back. Exactly. It runs. On, yes. Yeah. Mm. That's ex- It's 95% of our results. Our subconscious mind accounts for 95% of our results in life, not just in sales and money, but in life. And I realized I'd picked up on some disempowering beliefs around money growing up. So the good news can with you my, share? Would you, yeah, would you sure. share a couple of them? Oh, absolutely. And I think I'm sure you can maybe relate to some of these or our mm-hmm. listeners can relate to some of them, but we grew up, um, you know, upper middle class, but there was always still, uh, an energy of, we have to save or else it was like, or else something could happen. Um, and what, what a lot of people don't realize is from the age of zero to seven, you're essentially under hypnosis. So our brain hasn't formed the analytical faculties until we're about age seven that allow us to discern is something true for me or not. So I Mm -hmm. heard this, I don't know if you heard it, but like money doesn't grow on trees, right? Yeah. That's a popular, that's a super popular one. Money doesn't grow on trees. So I heard that growing up Uh, zero to seven, you're under hypnosis. You can't decide that's not true for you. So you take that in, you have to take it in as truth and it actually becomes what programs you and your belief system. Um, or you hear or see your parents fighting about money and maybe it was an innocent conversation. It wasn't meant to mean anything, but you hear it and you pick that up as money is bad. Money makes people argue. Like I can't have both money and love. So I'm going to, I'm going to push away money. I don't actually want money if it's going to mean I can't have love with the people around me. And this me. is in the subconscious. This so people don't even realize these deep, you know, rooted beliefs yeah. that they developed from a young age yes. and have no, you know, actually have no choice yeah. in, in, in basically believing these things. Cause they don't know at zero to seven, they don't know any different. I mean, they have nothing to compare it to. That's so. exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly so it. So it must be true. Yeah, yeah. You have zero, you have, it's, you are a blank slate. We are born into this world a blank slate. We take on whatever the thinking is, whatever the mannerisms are, whatever, even the emotions and the energies are of the, of our primary caregivers. And so sometimes people will wonder, why is some, why is blank so hard for me? Right? Like someone may have a fear of visibility, but that, that happens in sales too, right? People will say, well, I'm afraid to put myself out there. I'm afraid to go on this podcast. Mm. Or I'm afraid to pitch this client. I'm afraid to do a live stream. And they don't realize this fear of visibility oftentimes stem from very early on when they were told like, you're a lot of the clients I work with, they heard things like, um, you know, like you're too loud or little girls should be seen and not heard. Um, or, mm. you know, it's like you to this, to that, be quiet, like li- just shut up and listen, right? Like stuff like that is it, we hear it. And so we don't mm. realize, oh, like I'm beating myself up. Cause it's like, why is this live stream so hard for me to do? Well, you've actually got a subconscious program running that it's not safe for you to be visible. So, Mm. so the, the good news with all of this is you can rewire your brain. 
you can rewire your mind. And there's a specific process we do with our clients on it. Um, and, and research shows that by the, t- the age of 35, if you don't know how to do this, those neural pathways that fire off the belief systems are pretty set, but you can go in and switch them and create new belief systems and new neural pathways, but it takes intention. So coming full circle to hiring the coach, I knew enough to know how to do the rewiring at that point. And it almost like forced my hand in having to do the rewiring because otherwise yeah. we'd be 50 grand in debt. And I would have, that would have not been a great experience. Just the, the experience of taking that action alone yeah. was part of the rewiring process. That was it. That was exactly it. That's so key. And that it's, was it. That was the whole program. You paid the money and now you're fixed. <laughs> well, and, and to be honest, I didn't, I certainly didn't tell her this and she's a great coach. I didn't tell her this, but it was yeah. like, even if I get really not a lot from the coaching, just becoming the woman who is able to do this, yeah. I'm going to grow. Like I'm going to get what I came here for. So came face to face with the fears did the process of rewiring my brain around money. And in literally six weeks from making that investment, I went from hundred thousand dollar years to hundred thousand dollar months. But it was, it was a very intentional process. And the number one thing that I want to share with all your listeners, because I think this is so important in sales too, is that, like I said before, your income will not exceed your self-worth. So if there's a certain amount of money you've been going after for a while and it hasn't happened, it's probably because you don't feel worthy of it. And your subconscious mind. Yeah. 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 Good enough. That's it. That's it. All the bullshit that we tell each other ourselves. Yeah, that's exactly it. And the whole job of your subconscious is to make whatever you'd believe to be true about yourself, your truth. So its job is to filter out and to allow in opportunities, situations, circumstances, ideas that help your world match your belief system. So if you have a desire to maybe make, I don't know, $50,000 this month, 20,000, whatever, but you've got a belief system that that's a lot of money or that you're not worthy of it. Mm. You can have an opportunity sitting right in front of your face that would get you there. Your subconscious will filter it. You won't even notice, or you'll get distracted or you you'll get tired and say, I'll come back to this later because it's making sure that your outer world aligns with your inner belief system. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like the game is rigged. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it, yeah, I know it's, it kind of sounds disempowering, but when you realize you need the cheat codes, you gotta yeah. get the cheat codes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, here's the exciting, this to me gets so exciting because, um, and I, I feel like I'm talking a lot. So I want to hear your perspective on this too. I'll, I'll just share like, to me, it's so exciting when you realize you're actually fully in control because once you know this and once you learn that you can program your mind to create whatever belief system you want and that once it's a belief system for you, you're, the mind goes to work working for you. Your subconscious is your servant. It goes to mm. work literally making whatever you think about most be your reality. Um, right. You can change anything. And I think this is what's missing in so much sales training and coaching is it's all about the tactical, which is important. And if 95% of your results are still based on your belief system, you can have the best strategy in the world. But if you're layering it on top of a belief system of unworthiness or scarcity, it's not going to matter. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so basically... A lot of people are underperforming, as we know, mm. right? I think like 30, it, high 30 percentage of people are actually hitting quota on a consistent basis, mm. right? Which based on what we're talking today, they have a limited belief of what's yeah. possible, Yeah, right? Like they get their quota and they're like, wow, that's a big number. Mm. I don't know how I'm going to do that. Yeah. 
And surprise, surprise, end of the quarter comes and it was a big number and they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So what you're saying is you can actually reprogram this. You start to believe that these things are possible. Mm-hmm. Um, they be, then they happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you actually believe these things that are possible. But I think the first step is really like understanding, like having a level of awareness of what are these limited beliefs that are holding you back? Because yeah. tell you don't until you don't uh, until you know what those are, yeah. you can't really rewire, right? For sure, for sure. And a, a little shortcut that someone can use is to actually tune into your emotional state. And so this is something that I am like. Why are we not taught this stuff growing up? <laughs> it's it, maybe maybe some of your listeners are. I wasn't, but I I think mm. it's so powerful. So. Your nervous, the way your nervous system is wired, we think a thought, it triggers a chemical reaction in our body that we experience as an emotion. Your nervous system is wired to tell you when you're thinking a limiting belief or a thought that's not actually in alignment with your vision, your goals, your highest good. And the shortcut is you feel bad. So someone checking in and noticing what are those, what is the emotional state that I'm living in most of the time? Or what are the kind of my go-to emotions that maybe I actually feel kind of good and peaceful throughout most of the day, but this triggers me and I feel anxiety. I feel fear, whatever. Um, my go-tos were very much anxiety overwhelm. I was kind of in this constant low-grade anxiety without even realizing mm. there was any other option. But so the way it's it's wired is to tell you, your body will tell you when you're thinking a thought about something that's not actually true. That's a limiting belief. And it tells us by triggering off that lower level emotion, um, which can actually be our guide that we're assigning meaning to a situation that's not true. So let's just do an example. Um, if I say, uh, well, let me, let me say it about myself. Like if I say, oh, I got this quota. Um, this feels so like I never hit quota that like, this, I'm just not going to do this. I'm such a failure, right? I always mess up and stuff like this. The emotions that I feel like, what are they going to be if someone says that to themselves? They're going to feel stressed out. Yeah. They're going to feel not worthy. Yeah. They're going to feel, um, you know, some anxiety. They're going to have fear. Yep. Like, oh, if, you know, I didn't hit quota last month. I'm probably not going to hit it this month. What's going to happen? Am I going to have a job? Like that's going to create this whole storyline. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which if they don't stop and change again, the job of the subconscious is to say, okay, 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 okay. Sure. That's what you're thinking about. Great. That's what we'll create. So, so yeah, go ahead. What about when Mm -hmm. you're trying to retrain this, Mm -hmm. right? And you're like, okay, have this quota. I'm going to crush this quota. Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to hit it. I'm going to get this huge commission check. This is, I'm already thinking about how I'm going to spend that commission mm-hmm. check, you know. Um, but you've never done it before. Sure. And your limited beliefs want to tell you it's not true. And your past experiences also have some facts to yep. base up, the, mm-hmm. to, to back up that limited belief. Yeah. Yep. How do you break through that? Yeah, exactly. It's a great question. So you, you have to look for evidence And you've got to look for evidence outside of yourself often. And this is part of this just comes from studying and really deepening into how does our brain work and how do, how do subconscious beliefs work? So part of it for me, I had to really study, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza is amazing, I think for teaching this in a very scientific way, but I had to dig deep 
into a lot of his work to to really get the science behind it. And I immersed myself in it. So I think part of it is to just actually believe that like this is possible. To believe it's not possible. Just some magic fairy yeah. Dust. Yeah. Cause because yeah. you're you want to know, like for me, I want to know the science behind things. I want to know how this works. And so I always recommend checking out his work because it's it's very research-based, it's evidence-based, and it's it'll go deeper than we have time for in the conversation today. But when you start to learn how this stuff really works, and then you start to look for examples, it can be outside of you. So one of the things that I do is I look for evidence that somebody else has the reality I want. So mm. for example, even like in my personal relationship, so I, I got remarried, you know, after the relationship I mentioned at the beginning, married to an amazing man, he's incredible. And there were parts of me that were showing up in that relationship that weren't my highest self. Right. And so that was like, I had some growth to do in the relationship too. So I wanted to have a different experience of our marriage. And I looked at, well, who do I know who has a marriage that's like how I want it to be? And who do I know who I can model off of? So I wrote down a list of three different couples that I admired who I thought they had great marriages. And I just started asking myself like, Okay, if I know that what I'm getting in my relationship is kind of a mirror back to me of who I'm being and what I think about it, what are the thoughts that let's call her Jane? Like, what are the thoughts that Jane would have in her marriage? Like, how would she show up here? How would she view herself in this situation? What would she think about her marriage? And it was almost like borrowing somebody else's brain. And so we can do that with our sales goals as well, because yeah. your current level of thinking has gotten you your results. If you want bigger results, you got to get a different level of thinking. But sometimes we got to borrow that from somebody else first, but we have to learn to use it as evidence that we can have it because somebody else has it not as a reason that we can't because they have a different circumstance. So it's all how you use it. Mm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are using it incorrectly. Oh yeah. Yeah, for right. sure. For sure. Um, yeah. And once you, you have to decide that you're in the driver's seat of your life and that you're not going to be available to be a victim of any circumstances outside of you. Right. It's like, I'm in the driver's seat. I create my results. I create my reality. If there's a result I'm not liking in my sales or in my life, I'm going to go about finding out how does someone think who has the result I want and let me start practicing that. Let me study that. Let me see, like, let me try that one on for size. And that's, that's how we do it. We start to look for evidence outside of ourselves. And then you'll start to get evidence showing up in your own life as you practice this. Usually it takes three to six weeks to really see, but you'll start to get mm. evidence pretty quickly when you start to think differently. That's, that's actually pretty quick to start actually seeing, yeah. you know, some proof that like, you know, cause I'm sure that's the hardest part for a lot of people is to actually believe yeah. that it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. And you've, I, I think Colin, you've got to want it. Like, this is the key with it. You've got to want it because when you decide to change, you will bump up against every limiting belief that you have about yourself, about what's possible. Your identity is tied to that old version of you. And so the ego will actually fight to make sure that you don't change because that's, again, that's your comfort zone. So you have to know going into it. I always warn my clients that it's probably not great from a sales standpoint, but I warn them like, when you... Usually people, when people come to work with us, they're really ready to change. They're ready to change in a big way and they will, and they do. But I always warn them, you're going to come face to face with everything, every aspect of you. 
that is limiting you, that has been hard, every belief system that's held you back. And it may feel like a battle for a little bit of time. And it may feel like everything is falling apart around you before we can like fully get Mm. to this transformation. But once it all like parts of it have to fall apart so that it can come back together in a better way. And once people know that and they know, Oh, that's part of the process. It's like the old self kind of dying away. Incredible transformations happen and they happen so fast and it's so exciting, but you gotta, you, you gotta be willing to go through that, that river of change to be able to get to the other side. So basically it's going to get a little messy before it yeah. gets better. <laughs> yeah. You got to know that going into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's worth it but, if you're ready. Elise, thanks so much. This has been a fabulous topic that we've uh, delved into here. Tons of value for people listening. Any final thoughts? And then, of course, like where can people connect and learn more about, you know, this work that you do if they want to? Yeah, thank you so much for asking, Colin. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I've learned is is just to trust yourself. It's in all areas. Um, Trust yourself. Trust your desire for more. If you're listening to this and you say, gosh, like I do want to expand. I am, I'm done being stuck in this pattern. I'm done being stuck in whatever it is, scarcity, limited thinking, fear of visibility, trust that desire. Desires are also green light. So lean into it, get curious about it. Like what would the next step be if I was going to make that change and, and just have fun with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of where to connect with me, I would say, you know, I'm super honored to be um, in someone's podcast queue along with your show, Colin, and they can listen to She Sells Radio um, if, if they want more of this. And then elisearcher.com slash scripts. We've got a great guide on five sales scripts to increase your closing rate 50% or more, which is pretty fun too. So awesome. Yeah. We will drop all those links in the show notes for everybody. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. It really does help us out. And as always, I'm listening for your feedback. You can go to salestransformation.fm and drop me a voice DM and we will get back to you. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad, and I might even give you free access to our best templates.